Good morning, Mercy. Uh, my name is Cassie Smith, if I don't know you, and I am the, the kids pastor here. I would so love to, to be in a room with you today, to look you in the eye and to share space with you. Uh, I hope, I hope you can get to, to drive through communion after the service today. Stay for worship, stay for all that stuff, it'll be great. And then I will be here in the parking lot, eager, eager to greet you. Because I believe that, that the power of the church is in its community. And so where we, are, where we are experiencing the week that we have experienced, there is something about, about taking communion together and saying yes to the gift of grace that God gives from his body to our bodies and to us as a body that, that is necessary. So if you are able, please get there. If you can't, we still like you. Do take communion with with people on Zoom. Okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk today. I think I wrote five sermons this week. I was like every day, every day a new one. The the killing of George Floyd on Monday, while in police custody, is a profound wound on God's heart. It is a, a profound loss for for the kingdom of God that is on earth, and it is uh, it is painful. And so today we, we are going to navigate that as a, as a church. How do, we, how do we live in response to that? And I want to make space today for, for people who are having all kinds of, of experiences around that. I specifically want to make space today for people of color in our community. I pray this. I pray the Holy Spirit. We, we want to be a place where people can bring their whole selves to, to this community. So if you are experiencing anger and frustration and weariness of the the relentlessness of this, wherever you are, God help us to be people who, who witness each other, who see and, and companion each other, uh, no matter where they're at. We, we say we want freedom for, for people of color in this community to not have to mask or soften themselves or, or shield themselves. Um, and so, so Holy Spirit, will you help us be that? And today I pray for ears to hear, for all of us, for ears to hear. And, and Holy Spirit, we invite your presence and we say we need you as we, as we think and pray and, and seek your heart and your face on this. Amen. Okay, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go right to the text today. Feeling, I'm feeling a little feisty. I'm feeling like there is, there is work to be done. The, the way that the, the Bible functions is, is it, that it works in our lives. It works in us, it works through us, and it works in our, in our church body together. And so I'm asking today for all of those pieces to happen. Um, I, I believe that the work of, of social justice, if, if you think of uh, racial reconciliation as social justice, is, is part, that's part of the story, but I believe there's a bigger part of the story, and that is that, that being anti-racist is actually a beating of God's own heart, and that we are we are as a community to be formed into people who have who have worked that through all of the fabric of our lives internally in relationship with one another and corporately as a church. And so today I'm gonna I'm gonna go to our regularly scheduled programming, John chapter five, and um, it is not tone deaf. It is not tone deaf to the realities of Minneapolis St. Paul. Um, this week, and so we are going to ask the Lord to speak to us through it, and we are going to ask. I'm going to. I want to. I want to ask you for some grace. I'm going to, at several points, ask uh, ask us some questions as a church body. I will try my darndest 
to, to acknowledge when, when some of these questions are really for the white members of our church body. I, I, I hope I'm clear about that. Um, we, are, we are so thankful, we're so thankful for, for, for every person in our community. I won't cry all day, I promise. Okay, we are so thankful for each of you, and, and it, is a, it is a desire of my heart that as a body together we hear all that, that the Lord has for us, okay? All right, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to read. Um, I just love you guys. <laughs> all right, let's do this. I'm going to read from John chapter 5 today, uh, and I will read a little, and then... As we engage with these questions, I really would like, I'm kind of glad, there's a part of me that's glad that we're in our own spaces. If, if a question is, is touching you, is pricking at your heart, I want you, I invite you to stop, to pause, okay? And actually, I'm going to do that with us all right now. Will you pause with me? Um, Holy Spirit, we want to dwell in the fullness of your presence, in the fullness of your peace and grace in the fullness of your righteous anger, in the fullness of all that you are, of all of the shalom, all the way rightness that you are. And so yeah, Mercy, where you, when's the last time you just received some of the love and peace of Jesus? We just ask for that. We ask for that and open our ears. Open our ears, Lord. Speak to us. Amen. Okay, let's go. Let's go. John 5.1. It says, after this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went to Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. There's a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades, and within these lay a large number of the sick, of blind, lame, and paralyzed people. And then you might have a Bible where verse 4 has just been <laughs> kind of disappeared. Uh, that's a really hopeful sign to me. That means along, it's, along the history of this text becoming, uh, this text being collected and assembled and transcribed, somebody, somebody helpful probably was like they could use a little clarification here then somebody was like mm, that's not actually in, in the best version of our of our idea of the story that's not really there and somebody somebody dang it had the courage to be like well then take it out okay that's hopeful church <laughs> okay I don't know that that does something for me made a mistake recognize that it's wrong remedy man if life were that easy right if life were that easy so uh let's fo focus Cassie verse five Verse 5. Uh, There's a man there who had been sick for 38 years, and Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew he'd already been there a long time. And he said to him, listen to this question, do you want to get well? You want it. Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, when the healing happened. But while I'm coming, somebody goes down ahead of me. This question. This question, so the, uh, while I'm writing and rewriting and throwing away sermons this week, I tried to do two things before the Lord. I tried to, to say, Lord, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this text. I'm going to be here every day. I'm going to ask it questions. I'm going to, to let it ask me questions. And then I also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to hear you. And I'm going to do the same thing, God, with reality. I'm going to put myself in places and in spaces where I can hear what is happening. Or I can hear what is happening and some of those, some of those things I think I'll never unhear. And, and, and I give you access to my heart, God, to both of those things. And so, so in, this, in this question, do you want to get well? I think that, that we, have to, we have to acknowledge that there's a precursor question, which is, 
are you are you listening to Jesus? Did you did you hear Jesus ask you the question? And then once you've decided whether or not you're willing to let the question in, do you want to get well? We we it's easy to go. Of course he does. Of course, of course, this guy wants to get well. Thirty-eight years of brokenness, of dis uh, right disuse of part of himself. Of course, he wants to get well, and and I think that that, that is an assumption because. We can really, we do a really great job of normalizing brokenness. We do a really great job of becoming accustomed to broken things. And specifically right now, I am talking about the church in its own history. The church in its own history became accustomed to brokenness. There is, there, is, there, are, there are tenets of white supremacy in the church's history that, that we need to ask the question, do you want to get well? Acknowledging that if the answer is yes, there are things about the system that need to be given up. If this man said, yes, I want to get well to, to this 38 years of dysfunction, he's going to have to find a whole new way of doing life. He's going to have to stop receiving whatever help he's been receiving, most likely. He's going to have to, to put away something in order to pick something else up. And I think it's a fair question for Jesus to say, do you even want it? And so, so when, he, when he asked the man, I think this is interesting, I think it's interesting that this man's response, I, I heard this in me this week, was exactly the response that I, that I think I answer so often. He kind of says, I don't have anyone to do, he says, I'm trying. I'm trying, I try to get in the water, I know about the water, I show up here, I'm trying, I don't have anybody to help me. Someone goes down ahead of me, but, but basically what that, can sum that up is I am trying. And I, I, man, that's, if I'm being like real, if I'm being real about that question and what it does to my heart, I think that that's what I might say is I am trying. And, and the question that Jesus speaks to me in response to that is, is, well, is that working? Is it working? <laughs> take a minute, take a minute, sit with the question. Do you really want to get Better. Okay, and I don't, I don't want to. I don't know your story. I don't know all the pieces of this story, but I believe that no matter what space you're coming from, Jesus would ask you that question because this is who Jesus is. And so, is your answer? Is your answer? Does it, anything in this man's answer resonate? I'm trying. All right, Jesus takes it though. There's all these, there's all these other places in the Bible where, where someone has like a great act of faith and then they're healed and it kind of feels like, oh, well the faith did it. This guy, this guy was just basically like, mm, I'm trying. And then the next thing that Jesus says is just get up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well. He picked up his mat and he started to walk. Okay, now that tells me if there was no great display of faith in Jesus, Okay, we're going to find out later. This man doesn't even know who he's talking to right now. But if this is how the, the interaction works, that there was some moment here where he heard the voice of Jesus and, and responded. And, and as Jesus said again to him, get up. I believe it is in the hearing of the words out of Jesus' mouth that the man's healing happened. And I got to think, I got to think the... There's a thing, I can't unhear, you cannot hear, you cannot unhear George Floyd saying, 
I can't breathe. You can't, you can't unhear that. Right, but it sure, it sure seemed like, like the police officer whose knee was on his neck was having some trouble hearing that. And I don't mean with these, I mean he was having trouble hearing it. And so, so I wonder, what is it that we are missing? What is it that this man is missing? And, and, and there's a piece here, I think, where we are missing out on the idea that, that the voice of Jesus in 2020 surely comes through this word. It surely comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. It surely also comes through the voice of people who are being oppressed. Surely there is something of Jesus in the voice of George Lloyd saying, I can't breathe. And, and that's just right. The thing about hearing the sentence, the thing about this instance, is that how many things are we literally not hearing? How many stories are we not hearing? How many days, how many years, how many times have we missed the voice of Jesus? Has Jesus said, get up, and we haven't heard it? Okay, so, so we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. I really, I, thanks guys for like being with me in the tears. I don't know, if I tried to do this again without crying, it, it would, I'd be here for like three weeks. So, we're cool, we're cool. Let's, let's keep going. Because Jesus is going to, Jesus has spoken again. And the man has responded. And now uh, we're going to, we're going to read starting in, where are we about, verse like 10-ish? Yeah. Now the day that this happened was the Sabbath. And so along come the Jews. And they say to the man who had been healed, Whoa, buddy. That's fine. Whoa, this is the Sabbath. It is illegal for you to pick up your mat. Which is true. Which is true. And and honestly for like well-intentioned reasons. The these Sabbath rules wonderful. Wonderful intention, right? The intention of the Sabbath is to rest and to remember that, that God is working. To remember that God is working and that you you are you are present and you are in a finite being in need of rest. And so wonderful. It's the Sabbath. You're not to be carrying burdens on the Sabbath. And this man, as he's holding his mat, is carrying a burden, breaking a rule. And, and again, let's listen for his response. There's something here. The man replies, well, the man who made me well told me to pick up your mat and walk. It wasn't me. It's not my fault. Right? This man could be punished. Don't punish. It's not my fault. Somebody else told me to do this. And then verse 11, uh, verse 12. Who is this? They say, who is this man who told you to pick up your mat and walk? But the man who was cured didn't even know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. I, I love this about Jesus. He's slippery. He's always doing this. He's always slipping away into crowds and not telling people who he is and telling people, like, keep it on the DL. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's fascinating and wonderful and, and so many things. And and this idea, though, that the man's response to this is this not my fault. I think there's something profound here. I am getting up. I am made free because I heard the voice of Jesus. And the voice of Jesus is a voice of life. 
Right, if we had time, man, if we had time, I'd preach this for a week. Yeah, if we had, like Jesus, I, in verse 21, we won't get there today, but read the rest of John 5. Jesus says, uh, I assure you, an hour's coming, and it's even right now here, that the dead, and he's talking spiritually dead right now, will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear me will live. Now this guy... We don't, I don't even know. He hasn't really super been any kind of impressive yet. But the thing he did was he heard the voice of the Son of God. And so he will live. And that is the intention of our Father for our, for our church. Right? Throughout human history. Throughout uh, even the, the scriptures history. God has always been on the side of the oppressed. He is always fighting for life. And he is, he is promising a future kingdom where people will have life regardless of their skin, regardless of their racial and ethnic background, regardless of the amount of money they make or, or <laughs> their gender, right? They, God is making a way to a kingdom where, where everybody he calls will live. And this man heard his voice, and so he's in the live category. And, and somebody here is threatened by that. Okay, somebody's threatened. Uh, we'll come back to, to the idea of the threatened in a minute, uh, but let's let's do a few more. So it's verses 14 and 15. Okay, after this, after this, uh, Jesus finds the man in the temple complex now. And he says, see you're well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And then the man, this guy, I'm telling you, he's a twerp. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Because now he has a name. Right now he has a name, now he has a reason for, for being disruptive. Now he has a reason for bucking the authority of the, of the Jewish leaders. I have a name, Jesus did it. Jesus told me to do it. It's like, you know like some trouble is good trouble kind of trouble? <laughs> Jesus is like, I got a name and it's Jesus and he tattles, he tattles. And, and I want to talk for real quick, I remember the first time I read this story I don't know, not the first, but I was in like youth group, a youth group moment where I remember reading Jesus say like, don't sin anymore. Do not sin anymore. And there was a part of me that got defensive, kind of like, take it easy, Jesus. The guy, like he's been on a mat for 38 years and he healed him. And now, and now like, this is, this is the thing you have, like, don't sin anymore. And, and I realized there is so much of my own moralist, legalist garbage in that statement because when Jesus says don't sin, he always, always means that with tenderness and gentleness and your best intentions because here's what sin does. Sin erases your humanity. It eats up your soul. So when Jesus says don't sin, he's not saying be better. He's saying, he's saying get at this whole life that I just gave you. Get after it. Go for it. <laughs> Chase it down. And, and to do that, you must root out all of the sin in you. Okay, and so here, here is another space where I think we can ask ourselves a question. Individually and as a body. <laughs> what does it mean? to stop sinning in this area. I think of, of texts like James 4, uh, if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, that's sin. And that's, that convicts me. I repent of my slowness in this area. And I think of 
but I think of the ways that I see sin erode my own humanity and I see my inability to deal with that sin then get after other people's. And so, so this call to repentance, that's what it is, this call to repentance on Jesus is a call to life. It is. It is not, it's not moralism, it's not legal, it's, it's a call to live fully into this life that he has been given and that church we have been given. And so, I, I mean this, you take, you take this question to Jesus, ask him, ask him what it's look like for me to stop sinning in this area. Okay, and we, I, I'm not, I want to say this, we are going to take some steps as a congregation. This, I believe, is a, is a pastoral <laughs> call, a pastoral role that, that I am I'm, I'm working towards. And so there will be some, some call, but right for just right now, let the, let the voice of the Father speak to you. Okay, because you and the Father talk in a way that, that I don't know about, as it should be. Right? You talk to the Father about this. I mean it. Push pause if you need to. What does it look like for you? Okay. One more piece. One more piece. Verse 16. It says, Therefore the Jews began persecuting Jesus. This therefore because of this whole Sabbath business. Right? The Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And here's what Jesus said to them. He says, my father is still working. And so I am working also. My father is still working, so I am working also. And then this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he's even calling God his own father. In other words, he's making himself equal with God. Hmm. On one level, just, just the, the sentence, my father's still working, is good for my soul. My father's still working and so I am still working and that is still true. That Jesus Christ is alive, Jesus Christ is reigning, is living, and is working. Okay, and if we, if we want to step into a relationship with the, with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit that we are invited to, that means that we get to step in also and, and be working. But there's, there's, like, there's actually like a different, bigger piece I want to get at right here. Right? The, the Jewish leaders who had, who had been kind of, you can, you can think here, the, the characters maintaining the power of this religion, right? They, they were responsible for, for, for advocating and monitoring people's relationship with God the Father, and, and they are absolutely being threatened in this moment. They're absolutely being, uh, being <laughs> shaken up. And, and they begin persecuting Jesus. And there is this idea throughout the entire, the entire Bible that, that, the persecution, that the persecuting happens to Jesus, that, that Jesus identifies with the person being persecuted. There's a lot of peace. And I think, right, this is the image of the cross. The Jews begin persecuting Jesus because he made himself equal with God. And I think that there is... There is a piece here that we need to recognize that like how serious, how serious it is to be invited into a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How serious God is about the Imago Dei, which says that, that you are made in the image of God. That he takes that seriously and that when he sees oppressed people being oppressed, right, this, this is persecuting Jesus. This is what, this is reality and the scriptures all mess together. And that if we want to hear the voice of Jesus, then we have to pay attention to the voice of people being persecuted right now. That if we want to know like where to listen and what voices to turn to, there are voices everywhere. 
and these are good, I'm not saying be quiet, but I'm saying whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of, of someone who is either being persecuted or being oppressed, who's on the bottom of this, of this power structure, or, or who's advocating or elevating the voices of someone who's on the bottom of this power structure? Because I think that's where we look for the voice of God. And, and if, this is, if this is the ticket to like hearing the voice of Jesus and then calling to life, I believe that the, the prophetic voice of Jesus in 2020 is showing up in those places. Are we willing to look for it there? Are we willing, uh, as people, and I'm talking to white people right now, of people of privilege and power, to shut up more and listen up, or shut up, yeah, shut up more, <laughs> listen up more, and to use, to use our voices to hear? I know that doesn't make sense. <laughs> are we willing, are we willing to do that? I mean, you wanna, you wanna talk about people feeling powerless. These people are feeling powerless because they're trying to, to access God's power, but they're trying to go around Jesus to do it. And Jesus, Jesus went right into the suffering. If we want to be peacemakers, we, we head in the conflict towards the point of pain and suffering. We listen into the conflict and the point of pain and suffering. And that is where we, right? Jesus says, be in me, be in me. We, we consume his body and we, we take communion together because we acknowledge that something about being in this with Jesus, not working around him and going after our own power, but that we can hear the voice of the oppressed. We can respond to the call of Jesus in the pain and the suffering. And so I want to I wanna say a little bit right now about, about steps we are taking on a corporate um, level. Okay, um, for me, for me, just Pastor Cassie, I, I love the church. I love the church. <laughs> Wouldn't be here. That would surprise me a little. I don't know. I'm almost close. I'm almost close and then we'll settle down. But, but I love the church and so, so the pain of the church's history gets, gets access to my heart. And it, and it pricks right and it, and it, and it bruises. And, uh, and I am saying yes to that. If you are interested in, in specifically thinking about how the church as an institution over the last <laughs> so many years has, has been working and dealing with this problem, um, join me this June and July for, for a book club. We're going to read uh, The Color of Comparison. It's called The Color of Compromise is what it's called. Um, and we are going to, uh, we're going to do that. I'm going to do a similar thing with, with kids. You can sign up for both of those options. This is a, is a get aware piece. Okay, it's a get aware piece. You can find, we're going to provide a resource for you. Get aware about what your heart is pricking you to get aware about, okay? Get aware where, yeah, follow, follow that. Follow that desire. Believe that, that that's from Jesus. Oh, the second thing you can do is you can get in relationship, right? And, and now I want to be clear. This, we want to address this on an individual, individual level and on a, on a bigger picture level. But the, the individual piece, we have, a, we have a system ready to go here. So we're talking about these summer church, uh, summer small church groups. Okay, just sign up. Sign up to do it, to take communion with people that you don't know. Buckle up for that, okay? It'll be weird and awesome and wonderful. And so sign up to be part of that. You take communion with people. Uh, you have a question to discuss, and this will start online, but then our hope is that as, as we get more uh, availability to do so, as it becomes safer to do so, some of these groups will transition to, to in-person groups, okay? And then the, the third piece is the fuzziest. And it's the one I'm probably the most curious about. Uh, is I want to know, 
I want to know what it looks like for us to make space at the table at Mercy for people who are who are saying I am I'm committed to putting like time and energy and regular ongoing efforts towards towards doing something as a corporate body. Okay, if if that question pings you, if you're like I don't even know what you're talking about, that's okay. Some of you might say that and also feel a ping. Uh, I wanna I wanna start making space at a table. Okay, I would like us as a body to do some discernment around around firming up our commitment to to um, concrete steps. Okay. I, I am so thankful. I am thankful for the high camps vision, for the for the way the high camps preached this, for the way that they they started curriculum and Ruthie and all these guys who have, who have done all this work. And we we don't want we want to honor that. We want to honor it and we want to use it and we want to walk into something. Okay, so if that's you, uh, there is a third a third option that you can sign up for that just says seat at the table, <laughs> seat at the table. And then I, I don't know what I'm going to do with that yet, but if that, just, you know, talk to the Holy Spirit, ask Him. All right, we are, we're going to worship together. We're going to worship together. Uh, in a season like this, we do it. We do it. We expect the Holy Spirit to be present with us. Uh, we welcome Tommy as he leads us, and then please join us for communion afterwards.